At the height of the Cold War, East Germany operated a secret academy designed to train agents in elite psychological manipulation tactics. There was too much to lose. There was too many snitches everywhere, the workplace and school. Husbands spying on wives, you know, there were several such cases. It was a pretty evil setup. Now, for the first time, we have access to a trove of secret recordings that reveal the inner workings of the Stasi Training Academy. And our correspondent in Berlin, Oliver Moody, has been listening to hours of them. It was kind of grotesquely fascinating. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, inside the Stasi Spy School. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Okay, all right. I'm going to press play on it now, if that's, if that's okay. Weil eine Elektron als ich dann in der Partei, ich bin das jetzt nicht so wie in der Einigung, stand dann oben mein Kopf, also im Kopf jetzt praktisch alle Angaben und so weiter. Und er hat das dann mal umgeklappt, ja, dort wo ich jetzt unterschreiben musste. Da so konnte ich jetzt praktisch das Ganze, das Ganze geschrieben, die Beurteilung eigentlich nicht sehen. What are we listening to? This is a tape recorded on April the 18th, 1984. We don't know for certain where it was recorded, but we're probably in a secret police interrogation cell in an East German town called Halberstadt, which is about a dozen miles away from the heavily fortified border of West Germany. And the young woman that you can hear speaking is in a bit of a tight spot. She's uh, explaining how the Stasi officers tried to force her to sign a document officially disowning her own mother. And she's saying, I wanted to read it all the way through so I knew what I was signing. And I told them, I can't put my signature on that. It doesn't correspond to the truth. We call her Agent Yvonne, but honestly, we don't know her real name. And we don't know her real age, although we think she's probably about 30. What we do know is that her life has gone abruptly very wrong. Oliver Moody, whose voice you've been hearing, is the Berlin correspondent for The Times. The modus operandi is, is something like this. You start off in a, a very bare, almost Spartan cell, and two deeply unfriendly men come in and start asking you hostile questions. 
And then after a while, you're brought into a slightly nicer room, a kind of boutique Stasi cell. And a slightly nicer man comes in and maybe he offers you a cup of coffee. And then he starts to talk. And um, in this case, he praises the woman's intelligence and her determination. He, he tries to convey that he, he understands her desperate situation and he only wants to make things better. Gemeinsame Basis gefunden haben, wo wir weitermachen können. Und ja, solange meine Mutter nicht dafür hat, ich meine, ich habe keine Angst vor ihr, so soll das jetzt nicht aussehen. And as the recording goes on, you can hear her sort of slowly relaxing and coming to, to trust him. She's talking very fast, she's clearly in. She sounds desperate. Well, when you get picked up by the Stasi, pretty much anything could happen. People disappear, they get arbitrarily imprisoned for years on end. In some cases, there's there's torture. Um, she has no idea what kind of fate awaits her if she's judged to be a traitor to the East German state. But um, as it turns out, the interrogator says, well, you know, maybe we can make this work after all. Maybe, maybe you can go and look after your mother in the West. But uh, I need you to do something small for me in return. Ah. And uh, that something small turns out to be to spy brutish. And to know that there's also a sort of silken glove sometimes around the iron fist is very striking. So the Stasi, it's um, short for Ministry for State Security, is often described as the sword and shield of the East German communist regime. Its main job really is to be an instrument of terror. And so at its peak, it has roughly one informant for every seven people in the country, which is almost unparalleled by historical standards is far more than the Gestapo, for example, ever managed. The recording of Agent Yvonne being recruited would have been used in training sessions to show new agents how it's done. By that point, the Cold War has been going on for more than three decades and uh, it's getting very hot indeed. Just a few months earlier, President Reagan has delivered his famous evil empire tirade against the Soviet Union. Let us be aware that while they preach the supremacy of the state, declare its omnipotence over individual man and predict its eventual domination of all peoples on the earth, they are the focus of evil in the modern world. The rhetoric on both sides is really ratcheting up. The US has uh, just stationed nearly 100 nuclear-armed Pershing missiles in West Germany. Both sides are drawing up uh, detailed battle plans for an invasion. So you have this time of really intense jitteriness and paranoia. Can you just sort of paint a little bit of a picture of what life in East Germany would have been like? It might be helpful to wind the clock back about 40 years to the end of the Second World War. The um, Russians got to Berlin first, but the Allies conquered about four-fifths of Germany. And um, in 1949, the territory gets divvied up into two states. You have the Federal Republic in the West and the German Democratic Republic in the East, which is better known as East Germany. And because they're both sitting on the great geopolitical fault line of Europe, these two Germanys take on a sort of status as models for the different socialist and capitalist ways of life. 
And um, very early on, it becomes clear that uh, the East Germans are, are losing this beauty contest. Their people are abandoning it for the West in droves. So in 1961, East Germany puts up the Berlin Wall, it fortifies the rest of its border, and the um, regime really takes this incredibly oppressive turn. Up until the maybe the late 70s or the early 80s, life in East Germany is pretty good. It's uh, kind of the shop window for the socialist way of life. But um, behind the scenes, uh, certainly by the time this interrogation is happening, the East German economy is, is absolutely tanking there are shortages of, of everything and you have these flourishing black markets in things like tiles or fruit juice where you have to know the right people to, to get hold of them. So from these recordings, I mean, what have you learnt? What does it tell us about how they were recruiting people? There's one lecture by a Stasi psychologist where she answers precisely this question and um, she says that one of the problems with um, the people who are applying to join the Stasi is that they often lie or leave things out in their in their interviews and in their application documents. So you have to go digging to find out the truth about them. A woman in the neighbourhood often knows a lot more about the development of the candidate. You just have to find the right one, who's willing and able to provide information. She can tell you, for example, if the child was friendly and helpful until a sibling was born, who took all the parents' attention and left them with too little time for the candidate. And what that means is that you go and find the neighbours who knew them when they were children, and you ask them things like, did they have older or younger siblings? Were they their parents' favourite child? Were they closer to their mother or their father? How did they behave in kindergarten? You have this um, really fixed psychological belief that if you know what someone was like as a child, you have the keys to their soul. Wow. One person who interacted with the Stasi directly and has seen the files documenting his life to prove it is our very own Roger Boys. Well, it was utterly miserable. It was a proper surveillance state long before that term had been invented. Roger Boys is diplomatic editor of The Times. During the Cold War, he was reporting on the ground in Eastern Europe, gusting in and out of the Iron Curtain. So he regularly came into contact with the Stasi. They would search your baggage, they would tear it apart, basically. They would squeeze, for example, uh, my toothpaste tube out to see if I had microfilm in, you know, they were absolutely paranoid. Sometimes I got refused a visa to go to East Germany, but on the whole, they wanted Western reporters there, but under control, to show that, you know, what astonishing progress they were making and all this kind of stuff. So, for example, the in, on the airport trip was in early 1980s, and I got permission to see the mayor. I said I'd noticed a couple of punks in the railway station. How many punks do you have? He said, we've got eight punks in the whole city. So, you know, every statistic had been gathered by the secret police and presented to him in anticipation of any kind of question. But already then, this was the early 80s, there was a sense that something was not quite right in this, in this, this heavily monitored society, that something was beginning to shift. Roger was mostly based in Poland, where, in 1978, the Polish police started a secret file on him. They wanted to know if Roger was a spy, and, it turned out, 
they weren't the only ones. The polls were sloppier on the whole, but quite interested in my sex life or all sorts of things. My wife was a Polish journalist and her father disapproved of me and thought I was a CIA agent and wouldn't let me into their house. So I stayed in my own apartment for the first four or five months of the marriage, which suited me fine, actually, because I wasn't really quite used to the idea of being married. And she would come and stay with me and, and then go back to her own apartment. And the secret police deduced from that there was something wrong with the marriage. Yeah? And they noted it and they started to analyze this marriage and what was possibly wrong with it. As Roger was under investigation in Poland, the Stasi monitored his every move when he was in East Germany. But their files weren't quite as salacious. It was all really precisely typed in bureaucratic German. 10.02 a.m., the object of investigation got up and had breakfast in the hotel. He left the hotel, took a taxi. You know, it was kind of pedantic. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. With the stars, I mean, just how, how ruthless were they? I mean, they could, they could take everything away from you. You could be tortured. You could be executed in some cases. More commonly, they could just take your life apart. They could make it impossible for you to get a job. They could make you shunned by your neighbours. They could make you denounce members of your own family. I mean, they sound fearsome. Were they as impressive as they seem? The other thing that comes across very clearly in the recordings is just how shot through the agency was with corruption and just fumbling incompetence. There's one lecturer who talks quite clearly about how even though Stasi agents aren't even supposed to tell their wives about their jobs, 
they just end up, you know, going on holiday with their neighbours and blabbing it all out over a couple of glasses of Pilsner. They just absolutely can't be trusted. And um, you have a lot of quite naughty behaviour that gets um, tolerated as long as you don't step ideologically out of line. So there's one guy who um, gets his cheating wife's lover to bump him up the waiting list for a car. And there's another one who starts this passionate love affair with one of his best sources, uh, to the point where he um, has her picture hanging over his desk and just no one seems to care. Not such a secret source anymore if you could have a picture hanging up. No, I suppose not. He's got a picture above his desk of the... I am, he recruited. That is, the beautician with whom he has had an extramarital relationship for years. That is hanging above his desk. The head of the division knows it, the others at the division know it. Nobody takes offence. I can already see it on the faces of the comrades. Sometimes it sounds unbelievable. But these are facts, and that is what's so bitter about it. There's also much darker stuff that gets forgiven and covered up. So the lecturer refers, for example, to a, a serial child abuser whose, whose crimes are just basically swept under the carpet. As for the, the corruption, the only way to kind of survive life in a, an economy that's so malfunctional is to, to kind of work your connections and work the black markets. And um, in this very sort of hypocritical jungle. The, the Stasi are really the apex predators because they have this knowledge that nobody else has and they know all of the right buttons to push and they have this, this sort of huge arsenal of threats behind them. There's absolutely enormous scope for them to um, sort of skim off money or get favours if, if, if they choose to. Roger Boys witnessed the Stasi's corruption firsthand. The truth is they were bent, you know, they were just corrupt. The sheer millions and millions and millions of files that we've got on everybody in order to control the society and keep it intact. They started to get corrupter and corrupter, the secret police. They got involved in businesses, import-export businesses. They started smuggling icons and paintings into the West to sell in galleries. They, you know, they were tangentially involved in the drug trade. They sort of infected themselves, you know. They became deeply compromised and corrupt because they were the first ones to realise that communism was doomed. That's strange, but true. Love affairs and corrupt black market trading. But as Oliver waded through the recordings he soon realised that the rot went much deeper. In a society where information had become a currency, there was even more corruption in the act of spying. A lot of the Stasi reports were basically made up. There's a lecturer who said there are some agents who are capable of writing these, these absolutely brilliant reports without setting foot outside the office. And you just sort of think of them sitting there at their typewriters wondering what to fabricate about their targets. By the time the mid-80s arrived, there was a palpable feeling of imminent change in Eastern Europe. But did the Stasi leadership sense the danger? There's one very valuable recording where the head of the Stasi, Erich Milka, who's run the agency pretty much from its inception until Berlin Wall comes down in, in 1989. In 1984, he is talking to the Communist Party training college 
and warning them that they are in a existential war against the West, which is using every underhand means at its disposal to try and stir up subversion and resistance in the East German population. Intelligence gathered by the Ministry for State Security leaves no doubt that the enemy attaches ever greater importance to intensifying the campaign of ideological sabotage against our state that permeates its subversive attacks in all its forms. And what he's referring to there are these little pockets of protest or in some cases just these little independent worlds that people have started to create for themselves through things like church groups or small environmental organizations. And what's really striking is that you can tell that Milka senses the threat, but he also diagnoses it so wrongly because he sees this as the hidden hand of the West, whereas in fact, it's almost entirely a homegrown movement that's coalescing, born of the sense that the promises that were extended to them in East Germany have, have not been delivered on and that their, their lives are considerably worse than they thought that they would be and, and they're not satisfied and there's this real hunger for um, democratic change and I, I think he's completely missed that. It's as if, despite the sheer volume of information that the Stasi was gathering on people, it somehow missed the bigger picture. It knew so much about just mundane details of its citizens' lives, what they bought, what they gossiped about, where they had their hair cut. But it was ideologically incapable of seeing the wood for the trees and, and spotting this movement and this, this really widespread public dissatisfaction and unrest that would, five years after Milka's speech, bring about the sudden and total collapse of the communist regime. They thought it gave them power, but it didn't. And these people were sometimes monitoring people 24 hours a day, yeah, in their living rooms, in their bedrooms, on the phone. So people had to sit down and transcribe all of that. And if you're doing that across a society, that's, a, that's an industry, you know. That was an industrial hoovering up of, of personal data. And they didn't know what to do with it. At the end, they didn't know what to do with it. And they knew even less what to do with it when... Communism started to buckle a bit when Gorbachev came in and, you know, started to talk about political liberalisation, more transparency, um, you know, economic reforms. And that struck at the very essence of what East Germany was, which was to be a fortress on the front line of the Warsaw Pact. And when that happened, they didn't know what, what the heck to do with it all. As a young journalist in the early 80s, on the other side of the Iron Curtain, could you tell that the end of the Cold War was coming? You'd have to be pretty optimistic or pretty ideological to say, even after Gorbachev came in, to really say that communism was about to collapse. You know, I would have given it, if I was doing one of these kind of forecasting uh, reports that people do, I would, have, I would have said that communism would be collapsing about now in 2020, to be honest. I, I thought it would stagger on that long. All around you, we've still got failing states. We've got Venezuela, we've got, you know, loads of places, North Korea, all kind of autocratic dictatorships. And we keep on saying they're going to collapse, but they don't. They don't. And you can't work out what they're living on. You know, people are dirt poor and they don't have, they don't even have water in Venezuela. So why hasn't the system collapsed? And 
The answer is a complex one. It takes quite a long time for a system to die. But in this case, there was an acceleration and they did. And then there was this whole domino thing where one state system after another collapsed. So, you know, Hungary went, Czechoslovakia went, Yugoslavia went eventually, Romania went violently. It was a busy year. <laughs> I remember covering the 20th anniversary of the fall of the Berlin Wall and what was really intriguing was just sort of everybody you spoke to, you know, every taxi driver who stopped still had such a visceral response to it. You know, people would just break down crying while trying to describe what it was like because the memory was still so fresh and, it, you know, their lives had been blighted by it for so long. Has listening to these recordings, has it shown you anything about modern day Germany? I think it is possible to talk about a legacy of the Stasi. East Germans found themselves in a kind of panopticon, one of those um, circular prisons where the guards can, can watch anybody at any time, but you never know when they're, when they're watching you. And what I think that did was to really drive home the lessons that West Germany had already learned from what it went through in the Nazi era, this sense that the, the only way you can protect people against this from happening again entirely is to throw this sort of force field of privacy around every individual to, to shield them against the state. And that's why today Germany has not only what are probably some of the world's strictest privacy laws, which have inspired a lot of the more aggressive tech regulation in the 21st century, but also this really deeply ingrained cultural mistrust of uh, big tech and its potential for surveillance. That's so interesting. So all of that is a reaction to what they experienced a few decades ago. Very much so. And you can see this still shaping contemporary debates. For example, with the um, coronavirus app, which was launched a few weeks ago, there was so much strenuous public discussion about how to make sure that it gave away the absolute bare minimum of data, even in this time when everybody's worried and afraid for their lives and there's an enormous pandemic raging through society, there's still this, this, this deep-rooted concern about what, what might be done with people's personal data. Listening to hours and hours of this material, what was it like for you dipping into people's lives at sort of these very vulnerable moments, like, like Agent Yvonne there, but you know, hearing all of this sometimes distressing audio? Well, the... Um person who really bore the brunt of it was um, Sabina Shu, the um, researcher in the Berlin Bureau, who sat down and listened to what must have been a total of about 15 hours of this stuff. For me, going through the recordings, it was kind of grotesquely fascinating. It is one of those stories, though, where you, you can't hear somebody like Agent Yvonne, which is what we're calling her, you know, her story, without sort of half imagining yourself in that position, with so few levers to manoeuvre. Has that been quite odd? Absolutely. And I think that's important and something worth holding on to, because there's a tendency when we talk about the Stasi in, in modern Britain to think of the whole thing as this kind of horrible fairy tale. Like a, almost like a piece of fiction that could never happen to us. And you hear people chucking the word Stasi or phrases like woke Stasi around in a very cavalier way. 
But um, firstly, a lot of these techniques are in use today, and in some ways, in a much more refined and digitally enhanced way in China and other authoritarian states. And、uh, they're not funny; they're very real. And secondly, what I think we really get from some of these recordings, particularly Agent Yvonne, is the sense that the people who are caught up in these stories—not just the victims, but the agents themselves—are really not that different to us. And so, for me, it becomes a kind of morality tale that should make us ask ourselves what we would do and, and what we're capable of. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, the Berlin correspondent for the Times, Oliver Moody, and the diplomatic editor and weekly columnist for the Times, Roger Boys. The archive we've been able to hear comes from the Bundesbeauftragte für die Stasi Unterlagen, the Federal Commissioner for the Stasi Files, and they were released by SWR, the German public broadcaster. You can read more of Oliver and Roger's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producers were Leona Hamid and Asia Fuchs. The executive producer is Leo Hornack, and the deputy executive producer is Poppy Damon. Sound design was by Carla Patella. Music by Breakmaster Cylinder. If you liked what you heard, please do leave us a review. You can subscribe for free. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, and more. See you tomorrow. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary; not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at invesco.com/qqq. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns.